in Isaiah, in Isaiah, it speaks to us, it foretells us to us the the year of the Lord. You know, what's cool about Christmas is how many of you know on on the, a timeline of history, you have B.C. and you have A.D. That's before Christ. A lot of people think that the A.D. stands for after death, but it comes from a Latin word, Anno Domini. And, and this actually means the year of the Lord. So A.D. started when Jesus was born. Now, you might not believe in God in here. You might not believe in Jesus. But you have to admit the fact that the human being that came on earth, that changed the whole human calendar, that there's something about this guy. I mean, you might not believe right now, but evaluate your life. 2017 years ago, Jesus was born. It was the year of the Lord. You can't tell me that's not significant. This is not just Americans' calendar. This is the world. A.D., the year of the Lord. And Isaiah, he really begins to prepare us 700 years before Jesus ever came on the scene. Isaiah begins to say, this is going to be the year of the Lord, and this is what your Lord is going to be called. And he begins to give us these names that depicts who Jesus is. And you might say, you know, I know the names, I've heard the names, we sing them. But it's another thing when you really believe in his name. How many of you know that every, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter your pedigree, your background, doesn't matter if your uncle or your grandfather was a pastor. It doesn't matter. You got to have them. You need them. Every human being needs them. You might say, well, we just believe in a universal God, and I just happen to believe that Jesus is one way. Jesus is not one way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. And we celebrate this season because it was the the year of the Lord. The year of the Lord. And Isaiah projects or foretells this time, and he says this. How cool is it? that Isaiah was able to tell us who Jesus was 700 years before he ever came on the scene. How many of you know that your words have power? You know what? You might speak something today, and if God does not tarry, it might happen years and 100 years after you're gone and dead. How many of you know that God's word, it does not go back void, meaning that whenever you say something in his name, it has to happen. Whenever you speak something in the power of his name, because you're his child, it has to happen. What would happen if we begin to operate in that kind of faith? It is that faith that moves the mountains. And you might say, well, you know, I'm giving all the faith I got. Listen, give all the faith faith that you have and God will meet you and he'll give you his faith. If you're only going so far... Quit relying on your own faith and say, I'm going to believe and go for everything I got. God's going to give you a portion of faith. And that faith that he gives you, you're going to see things change in your life. I believe, I believe, just as Isaiah prophesied about the Son of God, the year of the Lord, this church is going to begin to prophesy over this city, over this nation, over this state, over the world. And I believe that God is going to bring a great revival. You might say, this this is a... 
this is a time when things are getting darker and darker. Well, guess what? When things get darker and darker, then the light shines brighter and brighter. And I believe that this is going to not be a time where it's like doom and gloom. It's only downhill from here. No, I believe that this is the year that the church is going to rise up, believe who God is, and begin to com- begin to proclaim that he is king over, over our land. Do you believe that today? So Isaiah 9-6, it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. How many of you know that his counsel will bring you into wonder? You weren't born to just have wonder when you're little. You were born to keep that wonder in God. He is awesome. He is awesome. That's where we get that word awe. You're in awe of him. Why? Because he's awesome, and he wants you to keep that wonder. Just like when you were a little kid and you were waiting for Santa Claus to come, right? That faith, every little expectation, you were in wonder. God didn't want you to lose that when it comes to him. He wanted that to become stronger and stronger. How many of you know that when you give your life to God, the fire doesn't eventually die out? It only gets stronger. We go from faith to faith to glory to glory. I believe some of you in here, you used to say, you know what? I was on fire when I was in high school. Or I was on fire when I was in college. God really touched my life. I believe that this is the year that you're going to surpass even the fire that you had when you first came to God. This is the year where you're going to begin to be so in love with him, so full of wonder, that it's going to transform not only your life, but your family's life, your neighborhood, your surrounding areas. Why? Because he is a mighty God, and he's mighty in us, around us, and through us. How many of you believe that? He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's obsessed with you, man. He's obsessed with you. He is so obsessed with you. You think you're obsessed about your kids. He's obsessed with you, and he loves you. He is an everlasting father. He is your father forever and ever, eternal, eternity. How many of you are glad that you don't have to wait to die to feel the presence of God and be in the presence of your Father. When Jesus shed his blood, it opened the heavens so that we can feel his presence now and be able to have a relationship with our everlasting Father. Do you believe that? And this is the last one. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Today, the title of my message is Prince of Peace. John 14, 27 says this. It's Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Come on. If anybody has some trouble in here, God is telling you today, I'm your peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, the world does offer a level of peace, but it dies out. The world wants you to have peace in things, in materials, on out, outside things give you peace. But God said, I'm coming to the world, and I'm going to ha- give you a peace that dwells within. That you don't have to have a perfect surrounding to have peace, that I am the prince of peace. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. How many of you want that kind of peace? 
Man, that you just have a, oh, isn't that what we're searching for? We're searching for, for love, but we all want peace. And in a hectic world, God says, listen, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I'm going to give you peace. I believe some of you that are staying up at night, you're not getting any sleep. Today is the end of that. That you're dealing in your mind constantly. You know, Jesus describes it as Beelzebub, which is like Lord of the Flies. You ever had a fly on you? A fly on you? It can drive you nuts. <laughs> you know, it's going past your ear. goes tries to go up your nose. That will drive you crazy. Some of you, it doesn't matter if you're sitting on the beach enjoying the waves. If you got a fly all around your head, you're going nuts. Am I right about it? And it doesn't matter your outside situation. You might have a full bank account. You might have an awesome family. You might have it going on, but there's still something on the inside where there's no peace. And God said, don't be troubled. I'm the prince of peace. How many of you want to believe that he is the prince of peace? He is the prince of peace. What does that mean? What does it mean? We can say, oh, the prince of peace. But we have to look at what that word means. Why is it significant? that he is the prince of peace. Why is that significant? When we see this significance and we allow this revelation to get deep in our heart, it will begin to cause us to be overwhelmed with peace. How many of you want that? Now, a prince, we know that a prince is the firstborn son of a king, right? The firstborn Son, Why is that significant? The firstborn son. Why is that significant for us? See, a firstborn in the Bible, the firstborn was the one that had the double portion of inheritance whenever the father went on to be with God. Not only that, but he had all the authority to take care of his father's estate and everything that his father owned. A firstborn in the Bible was very significant. You see it all through the Bible. And the Bible says that God is our prince. He is the son. He is the firstborn of peace. Now, what does that mean for us? See, the cool thing is that God relates to us on so many levels. Like he's a wonderful counselor, meaning he's like a friend. He's a mighty God. He's like a warrior. Am I right? He's a father to us. But did you know that God is actually Jesus, the son of God that came on the earth, is actually a brother to you? Jesus said, I came to be a brother to you. And the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? It means that he was God's firstborn. And this is the the significance of this. I'm going to read two scriptures Hebrews 2, 11 through 12, it says, So now Jesus, the one, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. How many of you know that you're a brother and you're a, or you have a, a brother and that brother is Jesus? How many of you know that? It goes on to say, for he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters, and I will praise you among the assembled people. See, see, the firstborn got it all. But this is what Jesus did. 
Jesus said, I am the firstborn that gets it all from my father. But this is the difference with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to make you a co-heir or a joint heir of what I have. So even though I am the firstborn, I'm sharing the inheritance with you. I mean, when Jesus died, he went to the heavens. He sitted at the right hand of the Father. He owns it all. And the Bible says you're sitting there with him. Come on, man. If we can get this, that the same inheritance that Jesus has belongs to you. You are a co-heir. What's different is the, the inheritance doesn't just go to the firstborn. He spreads out this inheritance and says, I'm a co-heir. I'm a co-heir with you. How many of you are thankful for that? You're a co-heir. See, we are a part of a prince. We are a co-heir of a prince, the prince of peace. The Bible actually says that you're royalty. What would happen if you acted like royalty? It doesn't matter what's around you. Jesus was the king, but he came as a servant, as a man. How many of you know there's, there, there, is a, there, is a, there is royalty in you? As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter, it says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that it's in your veins, but we don't step into it because we don't believe it. What if we believe today that everything that Jesus died for, the Prince of Peace, that we are co-heirs? What if we believe that today? That everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Not when we die, but right now. Everything, the kingdom, everything that belongs. See, the heaven and earth belongs to the Lord. And God says, I'm making you a co-heir. See, prince, a prince, it's a, it's a governmental t- term. It's, it, a prince is someone that is in, in a governmental authority. How many of you know government is set in place to bring order? Am I right about it? See, God says, I'll give you access to the whole kingdom. You'll be a co-laborer. You'll be a co-heir or a joint heir. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to keep some order. If you want to access your inheritance, there's some order in your life that has to be established. Am I right? God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And when things are in order, the blessing comes. But when things are out of order, the blessing's like stopped up. You ever had a a kink in a hose? It's aggravating. You had a kink in the hose, you you want that thing to flow, but it can't because there's a kink. You got to get that kink out. And that's what it's like. God says, hey, you're a co-laborer. You're a co-heir. You have an inheritance that's laid up for you, but there's some order. You have the firstborn. He's the prince of peace. But if you want to keep that peace, there has to be some order in your life. What is God's order? It's very simple. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus says this. He says, this is the order. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Everything's going to come if you keep this right here. What does he say? He says, love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what's the order? God. You say, well, it's God, then your neighbor. No, it's God, then yourself, then your neighbor. Because you got to love your neighbor as yourself. 
Come on, somebody. You got to love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. It's a, it's a kink in the hose. It's a kink in the blessing. If you don't love yourself, it's very hard to love your neighbor. So he says, this is the order of things. I've got the prince of peace. He's going to give you peace that's beyond understanding. He's, he's going to cause you to be a co-heir. But this is the thing, as a priest, to be in the kingdom, there has to be some order. And the order is God first. And loving yourself and loving your neighbor. How many of you believe that? And I believe that today, God is going to begin to show us this. That sometimes things can get out of whack in our lives and we don't even notice it. You know, things can get out of order and we wonder why we're not experiencing the blessing or the inheritance that God has laid up for us. How many of you want that inheritance? You want that inheritance. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, you're a part of a kingdom now. You're Prince of Peace, your brother, your Lord went to heaven, the firstborn, and said, I'm sharing it all with you. Come on, how many of you want to say, I want to enter into that inheritance? God has joy for you. He has righteousness for you. He has peace for you. He has goodness for you. He has a, a good life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. How many of you believe that? Will we enter into that when we believe who he is? We enter into that when we believe who he is. I want to pray. Can you pray with me today? Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word penetrates our heart and it changes us from the inside out. Lord, give us a revelation that you are the prince of peace. You are the prince of peace. Let us come to another level of peace in you. Even right now, let it begin to sweep over where they have a calmness, they have an anchor in their heart that doesn't come from the world, but it comes from your word. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. Come on, give Chris a hand. Thank you, man. How many of you here, you have been getting some Christmas shopping done? You've been getting some Christmas shopping done. Oh, man, half of you. How many of you here, you're getting some Christmas shopping done? How many of you guys, you wait the last minute like me, the day of or the day before? Christmas shopping, uh, it is a it is a experience. Am I right about it? It is a experience. Have you noticed the parking lots lately at the stores? It is packed. There are lines. There are there are people fighting over little items. There are, it's ridiculous because this is a time of year where, where we, we take off and we, we get presents for everybody. And, and, uh, and, and for you and I, uh, there, are, there are times when even getting presents can be hectic. Come on, somebody. Now, my wife has got this thing down. She's got it down, and I've been stubborn not to go her route, and I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it. She's got it down. I thought, well, look, I go to the store. I look for what I want. I'm really not even going to have anything listed out, lined out. I'm going to go, and I'm going to say, hey, that would be great for such and such. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to wrap it. But, but how many of you know that when you go shopping, you're going to spend like four hours in a line Anybody experience this? 
She made me go to Walmart last night. Walmart was like a zoo. Walmart, I had to pick up a few things. It was like, it was like chaos. How many of you, how many of you have felt that before? I, I pictured it. I pictured it in my head. See, while I am uh, in these stores, Leah's got this thing down where she's like, oh, no problem. I'll get it on Amazon. It'll be here in two days. So she's sitting. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. You're like, that was for me, Jesus. Amazon Prime. That was the word. If you got anything today, <laughs> Amazon Prime. It was it will it will keep your your peace. I'm like, I'm 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 having the, this um fight with the lines and the people and trying to find things and I'm calling her and she's sitting by the fireplace. I'm like, oh no problem, I'll just get it right here. Click and it's gonna be there the next day. And in my mind, I had this weird thought. I had this weird thought because I put together what I was feeling and thinking, what my shopping looks like, and what her shopping looks like. In my mind, I gave myself like a theme song in my mind of what it was like, and I gave her a theme song. My, let's, let's play my theme song. Can we just play it loud? Play it loud. Louder. of you got stressful just from that I need to pray from you for you right now that's that's what it was like when I was at the mall yesterday this is what it was like for Leah to shop let's play that second one it's like she was at a spa she had her anthropology candles lit and fireplace and tranquil nice peaceful experience how much how many of you would much rather number two you would rather the second one the peaceful one the spa the calming and I started thinking about it I started thinking if, if you could put a theme a, a music theme on what's going on on the inside of you what would it sound like what would it be like what would it sound like if 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 I could how many of you know that music changes the atmosphere? If I, if I, if, if I were to detect your theme song, what would it be? Would it be the crazy, hectic, everything's everywhere, stressful, aggravated? You're the Christian cussing people out. Somebody pulled out in front of you. You know, you're giving them, you're giving them some bad words. <laughs> Listen, don't don't have a Jesus sticker on your car and do that. You know what I'm saying? They're going to think you stole the car. They're going to be like that. There's the policeman. He's going straight to jail. He stole that car. That can't be a Christian. You're supposed to be like loving people and you're you're uh <laughs> you're ready to kill somebody, right? Uh people People, have you ever been in the, to the point where it's like a bunch of noise in your head and somebody does the smallest thing and you flip out? That's how you know if you're not living too much peace, you know. Like, like it, it could be calm on the inside, but, but the third time your kid says daddy or mama and you just flip your lid, you might need some peace, right. If, it, if, it's, if it's like the boss says one little thing 
and you like are about to quit your job and it's quits from there on out, you might need some peace. And a lot of times we find ourselves not having peace because things are out of order. See, there are secrets to peace. Leah got the secret to Amazon. She got it. Well, I think we got all of our presents. I'm still trying. I'm going to Amazon. I'm repenting and going to Amazon tomorrow <laughs> because she's got it down. She's got it down. There are secrets that she has found where she is keeping her peace, and she's got it all taken care of. And, and in the kingdom, there are secrets that if we enter into, we don't have to live in a state of constant turmoil, constant agitation. You know, this is, uh, this is prevalent for moms, but it's prevalent for dads as well. You know, I, it, how many of you want to have things in order to where there's just peace in your life? There's peace. There's peace. And, you know, God makes it very simple. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Put these things in order. And everything is going to come. He says, I'm going to leave you a peace that the world can't give you. I just believe today some of you, some of you are going to get a peace from God, not from anybody else other than God. And he's going to put this peace in your heart where you, you are just, it doesn't matter if there's chaos around you. You have peace. It doesn't matter if you get another bad report. You have peace. It doesn't matter if something went wrong with the house, you have peace. It doesn't matter what the doctor said, you have peace. Because we live for this peace that comes from our Prince of Peace and not the peace that comes from the world. We live from the peace that comes from God's word and not the world. How many of you want that peace? Now, this is my question to you today. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? That's the first question. Do you have peace with yourself? And do you have peace with others? Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with yourself? And do you have peace with others? See, when these get out of whack, we can feel that pressure. We can feel that weight. The Bible calls it oppression, that it's like a heavy Wait, how many of you want that weight just lifted off? This should be a season of peace, of peace. See, the first thing is this, peace with God, peace with God. It is, it is impossible to have peace with God when you are constantly sinning, <laughs> continually sinning. Not like you slipped up, but like you practice sinning. It is like, you know... It is on a regular basis, like you practice, like you practice for basketball. That's how you sin. You know, you're you're you are on a regular schedule. You know what I mean? And it is, and it is a part of you that that you say, well, I, I'll, I'll deal with this one day. But that the first part of order in your life to get peace is to be right with God. Now, I'm not talking about. Measuring your conviction with somebody else. I'm not saying I'm saying sin. Things you know that are a sin. Things that you say, you know what, I, I, I'm practicing this and this is just the way it is. See, the difference of people that when they get into the kingdom of God, 
they, they don't like their sin. There's a problem when you start to like your sin. There's a problem when you say, oh, it's, you know, God forgives me. And so, no, no, no. John said you got to be careful with that right there. And this is what, what uh, John 3, 9 says, 1 John 3, 9. It says, those that have been born into God's family, wave your hand if you're God's family in here. Those that have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. How many of you are a child of God? You're a joint heir with Christ. How many of you want to get rid of things that aren't, they don't belong? See, because the Bible says, the Bible says in Colossians 1.19 that Jesus shed his blood so that you can have peace with God. Jesus shed his blood so that you can have peace with God. It is the blood of Jesus that brings us into peace. How many of you know that we don't need to just throw that away and say, oh, yeah, well, he paid for it. There was a guy that, that got a ticket, and he goes to this notorious judge, and he's like, man, can you just fix this ticket for me? And, and he said, can you take care of this ticket? And the judge takes the ticket, and he sees the judge a couple weeks later, and he, uh, he said, man, I just want to thank you for, for, you know, wiping that ticket away and just taking care of that ticket. He said, I didn't wipe the ticket away. He's like, what do you mean? It's not fixed? He said, I didn't wipe. He said, I paid the ticket. He was like, I didn't want you to do that. You didn't have to do that. I thought you were going to take care. He said, no, see, you see, I'm a just judge, and when there's wrong, there has to be a payment for that when there's wrongdoing. He said, so I just, the ticket you gave me, I paid for it. And how many of you know that Jesus didn't just wipe away the sin? There was a payment for sin. He didn't just wink at your sin and say, you know what, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll take care of it. No, 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 there was a payment, and the payment came from the cross. And when you have a sight or you begin to have a revelation of what the cross did for your life, you don't want to throw that away. What if that guy went to that judge and said, you know what, I paid that ticket, and then he left out of there and he just started speeding again. You know, peeled out of the parking lot and put, you know, and, and well, that would be disregarding the payment that the judge made. Now, listen, there are things, the Bible says that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and in our lives, that if you sin, John says in the same breath in this book, he says if you sin, you have an advocate that's speaking on your behalf. But if you just think God is speaking on your behalf and covering and wiping away your sins so you can continually sin, you are very confused. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, there's a bump in the road. You Listen, you know how you know if you really repented? By is, it's by if you cut off the thing in your life that keeps causing you to trip up. Come on. Jesus said, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck that thing out. Now, I don't need you coming next week with a patch over your eye because this is not, he's not talking literal. He's, he said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck that thing out. If your arm causes you to sin, cut that thing off. It's better to go to heaven with one eye, one arm, than enter the kingdom of darkness. That's what he said. So what is he saying? He says, cut the source of sin out of your life. You know you're not serious about that diet when you leave the Oreos in the pantry. You're not serious. You're going to eat those things. I will. They're there, I'm eating them about 1 o'clock in the morning, am I right? 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm eating all the, all the Oreos I can find. They got to get out the house if I'm starting to diet. Come on, somebody. You can't say, God, I repent for that relationship and didn't, didn't get his number out your phone. 
God, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but, but there is no chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of hang out where I know he's going to be tonight. No, that, it doesn't work like that. When you see that there was a payment, you say, i got to get rid of it, and I'm going to cut away the source of sin. Cut it out. Wasn't that a show? Cut it out. Quit it. Is that, was that anything? Uh, I'm confused. <clears throat> All the old people are like, no. <laughs> you got to cut those things out of your life. How many of you know that, that repentance is changing the way that you think? The Bible says, hey, the adulterous woman, don't go by that door. Don't even go by her house. Now, he's talking about unfaithfulness in general. If you are having things that are tripping you up, quit going by it. And if it's hard for you to, to not go by it, guess what? Get somebody in partnership with you that keeps you accountable. And say, you know what, I'm done with this, man. I'm done with this. I'm, I'm cutting this out of my life. I, I'm, God's already spoken to me about it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of this because I can't keep going back. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs what it's like is like a dog that goes back to its vomit. I never understood that about dogs. So the Bible's saying the intellect that a dog has, you have the same type of intellect if you're going back to your sin that you keep repenting for. It's called stupidity. And listen, we can be some dumb individuals sometimes, going back to the pig pen, right, going back to the mud. How many of you want to just get rid of the mud? You want to get rid of the things that keep tripping you up? The Bible says if you're going to run, get rid of the weights. If you're going to run, this is the first thing. You're not going to have peace in your life if you don't have peace with God. You're not going to have peace in your life if you and God are not right. You know what God needs? He just needs a, I'm sorry, I'm changing. Right? You know when you apologize to your wife, she's expecting something to change. She's not just expecting an apology. So when you repent, it's changing the way that you think. We're not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our, listen, if there's an area that you're struggling in, then find that area in the Bible and fill your mind up with the right things. Because not only do you repent, but you change the way you think. Come on, somebody. I believe there are some things in your life today that you are crossing over. You are crossing over that line of, you know, I'm just going to dabble in this. I'm just, this is just the kind of way of life for me. You know that girl is not good for you. You know, you know that girl, you need to stay away from that girl, especially if you're married. You shouldn't be wanting to see somebody give you a, a, like a little eye if you're married. If you're craving that, something's wrong. You're waiting for a girl or a guy to look at you a certain way, talk to you a certain way. That's why you got a husband. That's why you got a wife. Come on, somebody. And, and, and get away from that and begin to say, you know what, I'm living for God. I'm in God's family. I'm not practicing sin anymore. I believe today you're crossing over. Today there's some things in your life. And then, you know what, if you're like, if you feel like there's nothing really going on, check your heart, evaluate your heart. Worry is a sin. Well, you say, well, I worry all the time. Well, God understands. He just wants you to say, I'm getting rid of that. I repent. I turn away from it. Come on, somebody. So in your life, it is very, it is very important that we evaluate the order of our life. Am I really giving God everything? Am I really, do I have peace with God? Or when I think about God, I want to change the subject. 
when you start talking about the things of God, I don't want to talk anymore. When worship music comes on, I'm not really feeling it. You can tell if you're at peace with God by how much you're attracted to God. If you're not attracted to God, then something else has taken your affection. Come on, somebody. I believe today God's going to cause you to cross on over. God's going to cause you to cross on over. That gambling problem, stay away from the casino. I'm just going with my friends. No, you're not. You're about to sell your house. (laughs) If you have a problem, stay away from it. (laughs) Number two, peace with yourself. Peace with yourself. See, you will never have peace with yourself until you prioritize your prayer. Well, you know, I kind of pray just whenever, like, I'm, you know, available. You never pray. (laughs) Those people never pray. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You know, whenever I've just got a quiet moment, then I'll pray. No, prioritize your prayer. This is what the Bible says, Philippians 4, 6. And I, I can get somebody to come and play. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. That word anything, I want you to highlight it, circle it, put a star by it put little notches by it, put arrows towards it, anything. That word, if you study that word in the Greek, it means anything. Come on, somebody. Everything. I know I'd get like two laughs out of that. (laughs) Don't worry about anything, anything. Instead, pray about everything. Is that clear? Don't worry about anything. Instead, stop and pray about everything. This is how you have peace with yourself. When something stressful comes your way, do you stop and pray or do you stop and begin to complain? <laughs> do you stop and you call, call your spouse and then all your junk goes on to them? You know, you're having a good day until your wife called <laughs> and dumped it all on. Can, can we just make, I'm not saying you do that at all, Leah. Stretch your hands towards me. Pray for me for today. <laughs> no, no, stop worrying and start praying. I believe if we will pray as much as we worry, we'll be some saints up in here. Come on. Stop worrying about that bank account. Start praying and start expecting. It says this, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. How many of you God's done some good things for you? This is how God is saying. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to, if he's done some good things for you. He says, if you want to have some peace, someone's really excited. If you want to have some peace, then quit worrying, start praying, then start thanking. Start thanking. How many of you know it's his presence when our perception changes? It's in his presence where our perception changes. He says, begin to tell God what you need and begin to thank him for all he's done. Then, this is a contingency, then you will experience God's peace. I just want peace. Just give me peace, God. I don't want to, I don't have my part. No, see, there's a then in the Bible. There's contingencies in the Bible. Do this, then peace comes. You know, I just want peace surpassing understanding. I don't want to understand anything. I just, God, give me peace. And God's like, you got to get some order. Are you right with me? Are you right with yourself? Are you praying? Are you talking to God? 
don't be so busy that you forget God. Come on, pray. I remember those days I would pray like an hour a day. Now I'm so busy, it's like five minutes. You're spinning your wheels. Listen, you don't have time not to pray. You got to. Say, I don't know how to pray. Talk to him like he's your friend. You don't have to go to him with all kinds of fancy sayings. Say, God, I need you. God, I want to talk to you. What do you think about this? What do you think about that, Mom? Can you show me this? When's the last time you had a real conversation instead of a religious activity? I'm going to go through my prayer list. I'm going to go so I can check it off my list. How, how would you feel if your husband or wife came home and they just went through their list and then walked away instead of had a relationship? So how was your day? What's going on? Having fun. Did you know that God has a sense of humor? <laughs> Sometimes you just need to laugh with God. He's a good friend. You say, well, that sounds crazy. You're all crazy. You believe in a God that you cannot see. You serve a God that was born from a virgin. Come on, somebody. But you're sitting in this room today because you know he's real. You're sitting in this room today because he's drawn, he's, he drew you. He's redeemed you. He set you free. He took that weight. He took that oppression. And there was a moment in your heart that you said, I can't ever, I can't ever go back, man. I can't ever go back. I can't ever go back. God wants to get that peace back in you. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. And this is the third thing that we got to pray. We're going to end the service. This is the third thing. Do you have peace with others? Do you have peace with others? Are there people in your life that you have problems with? When people mention their name, it just looks like you took a full bite out of a ripe lemon. Right? Every time somebody mentions their name, it's like you wince, you can't, it's, 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 a, it's a tough topic. That's what the Bible calls bitterness. You know how a lemon is bitter? You can't stand to mention that person. You might have, somebody might have done some really wrong things to you. Somebody could really, but listen, holding a grudge is not going to hurt them. It's just hurting you. The Bible even says, make sure that there's no root of bitterness that goes into your heart because it can strip away the inheritance that's lined out for you. You know that inheritance, that co-labor, the co-heir, the joint heir, sharing the inheritance with Jesus? Don't let a root of bitterness come into your heart because it can strip the inheritance away from you. Come on, how many of you will say that? That anger, that bitterness is not worth my inheritance. You're staying up at night thinking about how you can pay him back. Somebody is anyway. <laughs> You're thinking about how you can pay that person back. And God said, hey, you want to settle this thing? Begin to pray for him and bless him. Some of you need to, you're going to be blessing a lot of people this season. <laughs> You're going to be giving a lot of cards away. This is how you get rid of it. You say, you know what? 
Jesus forgave me, so I got to forgive them. But you know, no, you don't know what they did. Yeah, but what did you do? We've all turned our backs towards God. And God is saying, hey, if you want order, if you want peace, you can't have it. If there can't be communion, it can't be this thing where you have a problem with somebody. Now, I'm not saying if you forgive somebody, you got to become their best friend. Maybe they betrayed you and you don't trust them. That's okay. Forgive them. Love them. God says, hey, it's one thing when you love just the people that love you. But true Christianity, if you want to really follow me, love the people that hate you. That is easier said than done, man. But if you want peace, you know what? You might just need to write that person. You might need to just bless that person. Maybe it's somebody you haven't talked to in a very long time. You know what the Bible says? It says before you go and you begin to worship God, if you know somebody that's got a problem with you or you have a problem with them, say, time out. I'm going to go to that person and make it right. That can be awkward. How many of you know living for God is awkward sometimes? God says, hey, it's not worth your peace. It's not worth your peace. Go to that person. Make it right. You know what? Peace has to be maintained. Sometimes God will give you supernatural grace and just clear it all up for you. But he expects you to maintain it. My son's room is a disaster sometimes. I mean like a tornado hit the room, like just everywhere. And there are times when I'm not cleaning it. <laughs> Leo, Leo will clean the room. She'll organize everything, put everything up. And then we say, okay, now Noah, you got to maintain it. Some of you, you forgave somebody, but you didn't maintain that forgiveness. And it's a mess. You think it's just I forgive them and it's over. Sometimes you have to repeatedly forgive somebody. Especially when they just spit in your face. They just stabbed you in the back. It's work, man. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, it says work at living in peace. It is work. Work at living in peace. If you're not working it, you're not going to live in peace. You're not going to really forgive. Work, work, work. When God says work, he means work. Come on, somebody. It takes some work. But there's no work. There's no work in your life that needs to be outside. See, you're working overtime to prove yourself right. Let it go. Let it go. How many of you would rather work and have some peace? You say, well, you know, there is no work. There's no work that for you. No, when you have a revelation of the Prince of Peace, you're willing to put things in order. And then you experience peace. Come on, if you say, I want to live in some peace today, I want you to just stand up right where you are. Is it possible to get the band up here? That, that second song was just uh, beautiful. I want to give us some time today. We're going we're gonna to worship. And when we worship, I want you to go over these three things that you need to put in order. Is there, is there something that's getting in the way with you and God? Do you need to put prayer back as a priority in your life? Do you need to forgive somebody? Listen, before we pray and we do that, can we make sure that everybody in here has an opportunity 
to give their life to God? Do I have your permission? Can we make can we make sure that everybody in here has an opportunity to have an eternal relationship with God that they're going to begin to change and give their life completely to Him? How many of you? I believe there's some people in here that needs that today. You say, "Well, I got to get it all together, then I'm got, then I'll go to God." No, go to God, and He'll get it all together. Today, you say, "Well, you know, I, I just listen." The Bible says, the Bible says that this life is like a puff of smoke. It's here and it's gone. Tomorrow's too late. Tomorrow's too late. You say, well, you know, I, I just don't want to be a hypocrite. Listen, we all, we all have fallen short. There's somebody that said, you know what, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites. And, and I like to tell them we have room for one more. Fellowship is because we're a bunch of fellows in the same ship. We're not perfect. We have to, we need Jesus, and we recognize it. It is our common denominator. And today, if you say, you know what, I've been far away from God. I don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you served him, and now you don't. Today is the day to get that right. Can you all all repeat this prayer after me? Can we help those that need this prayer, can we encourage them just with your breath? If everybody can bow their heads and close their eyes, just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I know that it was my sin that put you on the cross. And Lord, I'm sorry. I turn away from my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me. I want a relationship with you. I believe that you died. You rose again. You're alive today. And that you are my Lord. I want to serve you from here on out. If you said that prayer today with nobody looking around, can you just slip your hand up? If you said that prayer, see your hands. I see your hands all over the room, all over the room. I see your hands. I see your hands in the back. I see your hands. Lord, I pray for everybody that lifted their hands. Today, I thank you that you wash them clean, that their sins is as far as the east to the west, that they're no more. And I thank you, Lord, that you're giving them a fresh start. Now, today, I've got two more minutes. I've got two more minutes. If you say, you know what, I want to go to another level of peace. If you feel comfortable, we're going to sing one worship song. Just come up to the front. I want to pray for you. Come up to the front and say, if you say, I want another level of peace. Come on, right where you are. Come on to the front. I want another level of peace. We're going to worship God. We're going to get some things right with God. And we're going to give God uh, our heart and say, put this thing in order. Put this thing in order. I want to go to another level with you. Come on, come on. All my leaders, come on. Come on, I want another level of peace. I want another level of you. I want another level of your presence. I want another level. Come on, you're going to begin to feel God's presence more in this season, in this time, than you have in a long time. Come on, if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. And I believe God's going to touch you today.